0: Let me start by saying um, we will have a three-week hiatus because I'm going to India, and um, I'll be pretty much off the grid for the whole time I'm in India. So we will, uh, let's see, I can probably give you the date. I'll Of course, I'll send out emails, but we would uh, begin again. Let's see on Sunday, the 16th of October. Okay, so just put that out there and also put it in the recording. So people who listen online, they'll say, what happened? No recordings for so long. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So this is an interesting chapter, if you read it. (laughs) We are reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 9, Chapter 3. The Marriage of Sukhanya and Chavana Muni. Okay. And good to see everyone today. We will uh, get started. So Sukadev Goswami continued. O King. So that's uh, Prikshit Maharaj. Sayati, another son of Manu, was a ruler completely aware of Vedic knowledge. He gave instructions about the functions for the second day of the Yajna to be performed by the descendants of Angira. Uh, Sayati had a beautiful lotus-eyed daughter named Sukanya, with whom he went to the forest to see the ashram of Chaivana Muni. When, while that uh, Sukanya, surrounded by her friends, was collecting various types of fruits from the trees in the forest, she saw within the hole of an earthworm two things glowing like luminaries. Thereupon, all the soldiers of Sayati were immediately. Obstructed from passing urine and stool. <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? Upon perceiving this, Sayati spoke to his associates in surprise. How strange it is that one of us has attempted to do something wrong to Chayvana Muni, the son of Brigu. It certainly appears that someone among us has polluted this ashram. Being very, very much afraid, the girl Sukanya said to her father, I have done something wrong, for I have ignorantly pierced these two luminous substances with a thorn. After hearing this statement by his daughter, King Sayati was very much afraid. In various ways, he tried to appease Chayvana Muni, for it was he who sat within the hole of the earthworm. So, uh, besides the far out thing that a, how can a mooni sit and you know do that but of course moonis can do all kinds of amazing things There's, I, I think it's kind of interesting here first of all the daughter uh, fesses up to it right away right? she said yeah I did this whereas not everyone would be so kind of straightforward and honest and then Saryati immediately goes well we, we find out you know goes to Charvana Muni and says oh my daughter did this what should we do so uh, there was no cover-up. <laughs> people were being very straightforward and honest, or as uh, you know, what what is the word that 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 people use these days? Vulnerable, vulnerable. You know, and you can listen to Brené Brene Brown talking about the importance of being vulnerable and her hugely popular YouTube lectures and things like that, um, and. You know, my mom used to always tell me she had this, you know, the famous saying in those days, right? Honesty is the best policy. Did anyone else hear that when you were a kid? Yeah, Andy did for sure. Honesty is the best policy, and it's true because, uh, especially if you are a um, serial liar, it's hard to remember who you said what to, (laughs) so you get your lies confused and. You know, I I wouldn't say that I'm a liar by nature, but my nature is like if somebody you know I invited to somebody's house for prasadam for, for dinner, and they burnt the sabji, and if they ask me what do I think of the sabji, I'm not the kind of person. Who's, oh, it's it's burnt. And I say no no it's, it's very very you know I'll kind of say oh, it's, it's very good you <laughs> know something like that so. But here I just think it's 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 interesting. They're very straightforward. They just immediately tell him. He tells she tells her father, her father tells the Muni. Um yeah. And and although it's not said here, we could imagine that perhaps uh Chayvana muni appreciated the straightforwardness. Text nine, King Sayati being very contemplative and thus understanding Chayvana muni's purpose gave his daughter in charity to the sage. Thus, uh, released from danger with great difficulty, he took permission from Charvanamuni and returned home, purport. The king, after hearing the statement of his daughter, certainly told the great sage Charvana Munis everything about how his daughter had ignorantly committed such an offense. The Muni, however, inquired from the king whether the, the daughter was married. In this way, the king, understanding the purpose of the great sage Tivana Muni, Yad Abhi Prayam Agyaya, immediately gave the Muni his daughter in charity and escaped the danger of being cursed. Thus, the permission of the great sage. Uh, thus, with the permission of the great sage, the king returned home. So um, you know, it, it's and it's gonna come up in the next purports also. It is a a challenge in 2022 to try to enter deeply into the culture and the way things were done in those days. Now, of course, Charvanna Muni is a great Muni, great um, mystic, powerful person. And he also, in other places, and I'm sure the king knew this, you know, could be a little ornery, can get a little upset, (laughs) right? So, uh, excuse me. So for various reasons, it was, uh, and 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 the, you know, the uh, sage hinted that uh, he would like to marry his daughter, and so it was arranged. Um, we'll continue and then take questions. Chavanamuni uh, text ten was very irritable. There it is. It says that, but since Sukanya had gotten him, uh, as her husband, she dealt with him carefully according to his mood. Knowing his mood, she performed service to him without being bewildered. So this is a purport also that is not maybe at least in the United States, uh, the standard way people think, although some people do think this. Way. This is an indication of the relationship between husband and wife. A great personality like Shaivana has the temperament, of always being in a superior position. So especially, you know, a guy, a, a guy, sorry, a Muni like him. Such a person cannot submit to anyone. <laughs> Therefore, Chavana Muni had an irritable temperament. His wife, Sukanya, could understand his attitude. And under the circumstances, she treated him accordingly if any wife wants to be happy with her husband, she must try to understand the husband's temperament and please him. This is victory for a woman. Even in the dealings of Lord Krishna with his different queens, it has been seen that although the queens were the daughters of great kings, they placed themselves before Lord Krishna as his maidservants. However great a woman may be, she must place herself before her husband in this way. That is to say, she must be ready to carry out her husband's order and please him in all circumstances. Then her life will be successful. When the wife becomes as irritable as the husband, their life at home is sure to be disturbed and ultimately completely broken. In the modern day, the wife is never submissive, and therefore home life is broken even by slight incidents. Either the wife or the husband may take advantage of the divorce laws. Um, According to the Vedic law, however, there is no such thing as divorce laws, and a woman must be trained to be submissive to the will of her husband. Westerners contend that this is a slave mentality for the wife, but factually it is not. It is the tactic by which a woman can conquer the heart of her husband, however irritable or cruel he may be. In this case, we clearly see that although Chaivanamuni was not young, but indeed old enough to be Sukanya's grandfather and was also very irritable Sukanya, the beautiful young daughter of a king, submitted herself to her old husband and tried to please him in all respects. Thus, she was a faithful and chaste wife. So this, uh, as I was reading this, prepare, oh, someone's waiting to come in. As I was reading this um, and preparing to speak, I felt, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Of two, Well, easy, of two minds, because... Uh, first of all, probably you know, uh, my my role as a, as a teacher of the Bhagavatam and especially Prabhupada's Bhagavatam is to present his teachings the way he wants them taught. So that's that's really important. And also knowing that that this purport and um, has sometimes been used uh, in an abusive way or or this or just this mindset well, Prabhupada said this, you know, and, 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 a, you know, a, a man may be, you know, mistreating a woman. And, and she said, well, she's got to submit, you know, so uh, this is not, I think it's fair to say that uh, we have to also, you know, I did a little research, Prabhupada said in other places he said, um, the wife is supposed to serve the husband, and the husband is supposed to serve the wife, right? And in other places, he said, if, if someone is married to a mist, uh, an unqualified person, then, you know, things like separation is, 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 is uh, allowable, you know, if someone's, if there's domestic violence and things like that going on. So I just wanted to strike that balance because, uh, and we can see that traditionally in cultures, this, this was the way things were done. And even like, I, and I think I brought this up before you, you look at uh, advertisements from the 1950s in America, which is not 500 years ago, it's 70 years ago. Um, and you see all kinds of things where where this kind of mood is very much um, the, 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 the understanding of, of the day. And even in present day, especially in some uh, either religiously conservative or even politically conservative, uh, you'll, you'll see support for this kind of uh, mindset. Um So the the essential point, um, and of course there's this very specific context here with Sukanya being married to someone so much older to, to her and also being an irritable person, and also a great, you know, a very, uh, you know, uh, probably says a great personality like that. But the I think the, um, essence, in one sense, you could say is that in any relationship, one tries to understand the mindset uh, and try to empathize with the mindset of the person that they're entering into a relationship with and try to find a way to uh, work with that that in a way that's compatible and not at war with the other person. Um, yeah, some questions, comments, thoughts on these first 10 verses? <clears throat>
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of issues here. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I mean, even the way you've analyzed it so far, you're still just zooming in very closely, right? If you zoom out to the whole picture, that's going to become apparent. In other words, it's going to become apparent that she's going to be very pleased with her uh, selection of husband yes. I mean, as it comes up, right? Yes. So, but putting that aside, right? I can see why to a woman, this would be very touchy especially a woman in today, today's age, right? Right. But, but if you separate the different issues, right? One is that here's this very old and irritable man. You could say he's pred- being a predator trying to cop this young woman, young, attractive princess, right? Right. But he's a moony and he maybe already knows he's going to turn himself into a young man. So it's not that even that issue is not, you know, as complicated. That's true. He serves
0: her in that way, right?
1: Yeah. But then you had the issue of suppose you get together and you're going to judge people's personality. Like it may not become possible till later till their life has been lived. And you can say, well, this is really a good person. We all agree. Right. So the one thing about it is despite the issues of what the woman has to subject herself to, you can ask the question, Is this a chaste woman, right? Now, if you're a woman and you say, well, I don't care about being chaste, okay, that you're entitled to your opinion. But if you do, a woman that can live with a very old and irritable man and still operate so nicely, you say, well, that is a chaste woman. So it reveals her real personality she could have a wonderful young man. And when you really look at what she does, you say, well, she's never going to be loyal to anybody, old or young, (laughs) right? She doesn't have a good personality. So if a woman can conduct herself properly, and is considered valuable to be chaste, then this gives her a very high honor that she's able to conduct herself in this marriage and be a chaste woman.
0: That's that. Well, thank you for that. Um, And as you were talking, two things came to my mind. One is um, that it's said in other parts of the Shastra that when a woman is chaste, uh, she becomes very powerful, right? And the one of the examples is Gandhari. You know, she she decided when she married a blind person to, to cover her eyes as well, um, so that, she, you know, she wasn't superior to her husband, but she got all these incredible powers <laughs> uh, because of that. And also it's said, that if someone insults a chaste woman, they're doomed. So similarly, if one insults a Vaishnava, you know, a person, you know, it really hurts our devotional life. So yeah, it, it, um, it, it, there's so there's something there. Uh, the other point that I was thinking of, um, I'm trying to think of what it was now. No, it's not coming to my mind. but Because you had said something else that kind of, that... Uh, my interests. Anyway, when it comes to my mind, I'll think about it. Other thoughts, questions, comments? In the chat, I think uh, either uh, Jiva or his good wife put something, uh, Anandarupa. From the story of Devahuti and Kardamamuni and their son Kapiladev, uh, it is the duty of the husband to liquidate the debt to his wife. The wife gives her sincere service to the husband and he becomes indebted to her because one cannot accept Uh, service from his subordinate without giving something in exchange the spiritual master yes so there's yes reciprocation of love and duty that's that and i really appreciate that because that's the background the background isn't you know some some bully mistreating his wife you know that should not that you know uh Uh, every woman has every right to walk away from such relationship and protect herself and, and things like that. Oh, I know what I was going to say that, you know, this, this purport, this, this purport is talking about, you know, the qualities of a woman, but the, the husband has to be uh, a good guy, has to be a good person and ultimately it should be a saintly person. Right. And, and the last thing in, in, in a good husband's mind is to mistreat their, their wife, but rather to, uh, to coexist in here the reciprocation of love and duty so and that's that's bringing it up to a higher level that the that um in the ideal relationship in vedic times and not every marriage was ideal uh that that idea of love and duty is so important
2: so Prabhuji, i was thinking that um When we read all this from the purports and Prabhupada has said a lot on marriages and relationships between husbands and wives. We have a Grihastha vision team also as one of the projects. Um, So a few days back or sometime back, you know, I've read their articles also. So I find it very useful and enlightening to learn that whichever, whatever background we come from, however, we may have been living, but as we follow the regulated lifestyle and we, learn from instructions and the lives of the exalted devotees, we slowly, you know, we realize our uh, shortcomings, both men and women, and uh, we can uh, bring some improvement uh, because uh, the center is Krishna, not not each of us. So even as we read about ideal householder's lives, though we are not perfect and we are aspiring to improve, so that is where, you know, when we read these, I mean, this is just uh, another pastime we are reading, but at the same time, we also have a lot of wonderful pastimes. Krishna himself as a uh, you know, in Gerasa with so many wives, 16,000 wives. <laughs> he was yeah. the most... And
0: he provided a palace for each of them, right? Yeah.
2: So,
3: yeah.
0: Thank you for that. Nandi Muki has uh, uh, brought our attention to... Uh, seven chapters from now and I'll read a greatly fortunate one you can you came under the influence of lusty desires and therefore you could not understand the influence of mother sita now because of her curse you have been reduced to this state having been killed by lord ramachandra so this is about ravana purport not only not only was mother sita powerful but any woman who follows in the footsteps of mother sita can also become similarly powerful There are many instances of this in the history of Vedic literature. Whenever we find a description of ideal chaste women, Mother Sita is among them. Uh, Mandodari, the wife of Ravana, was also very chaste. Similarly, Jopadi was one of five exalted chaste women. As a man must follow great personalities like Brahma and Narada, a woman must follow the path of such ideal women as Sita, Mandodari, and Jopadi. By staying chaste and faithful to her husband, a woman enriches herself with super- natural powers. It is a moral principle that and then it goes on to other things, but yeah, supernatural powers. (laughs) Thank you for that, Nani Very helpful.
3: Anything else? Um, I'll just relate to a personal anecdote. So um, I I was married in 1994 and at that time my grandmother, she said, um, there's a, a plenary portion of Lord Vishnu in you and wife is to be treated as Lakshmi. So, you know, uh, I guess uh, both boys and girls were taught to respect each other as uh, having the you know, Lakshmi Ansh and the Vishnu Ansh. Oh, nice. Uh, so, so
0: <clears throat> that was your grandmother. Um, and that, that was almost 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Things are probably right. yeah. Things are yeah. probably changing in a lot of culture. A lot of that. yeah, yeah. But how yeah. nice! What a nice thing to say! What a nice blessing from your grandmother.
3: Yeah, yeah. And she said, if you if you don't treat your wife nicely, I'll beat you up with my stick. <laughs> Very <laughs> she good. She used to walk with a cane. She was uh, about seventy-four at that time, in old age, and she had a fall. And you know, she was she used to walk with a cane, and she would say, if you don't treat your wife nicely, I This cane will hit you.
0: (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. Very good. Yes. Okay, let's carry on then. Um, Text 11. Now we're hearing about some more mystic powers. Thereafter, some time having passed, the Ashwini Kumar brothers, the heavenly physicians, happened to come to Chaivana Muni's ashram. After offering their respectful obeisances, Chaivana Muni requested them to give him youthful life, for they were able to do this, so purport. The heavenly physicians, like the Ashwini Kumaras, could give youthful life even to one who was advanced in age. Indeed, great yogis with their mystic powers can even bring a dead body back to life if the structure of the body is in order. We have already discussed this in connection with Bali Maharaja's soldiers and their treatment by Sukra Charja. Modern medical science has not yet discovered how to bring a dead body back to life or bring youthful energy to an old body. But from these verses, we can understand that such treatment is possible if one is able to uh, take knowledge from the Vedic information. The Ashwini Kumaras were expert in Ayurveda, as was uh, Dhanvantari. In every department of material science, there is a perfection to be achieved, and to achieve it, one must consult the Vedic literature. The highest perfection is to become a devotee of the Lord. To attain this perfection, one must consult Srimad Bhagavatam, which is understood to be the ripe fruit of the Vedic desire tree. So it's an interesting purport, right? Prabhupada talks about these far out things, you know, you know, getting back your youthful life or bringing people back to life. But then he ends it with the real practical point and the real ultimate point that who cares, you know, if you get, your, you know, early, you get younger body, you still have to die. And um, So then the highest perfection is to become a devotee. And to attain this perfection, you consult this particular Vedic literature, Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, But in bygone ages, we understand from Shastra that um, many things could be done that can't necessarily be done today. Um, Yeah, people by, uh, yogis by dint of their austerities get some pretty incredible powers. Any questions, comments? Okay, then we will continue. Text 12. Chaimana Muni said, although you are ineligible to drink somaras and sacrifices, I promise to give you a full pot of it. Kindly arrange beauty and youth for me because they are attractive to young women. The great physicians, Yashwini Kumaras, very gladly accepted Chavanamuni’s Muni's proposal. Thus, they told the Brahmana, just dive into this lake of successful life. One who bays in the lake has his desires fulfilled. After saying this, Yashwini Kumaras caught hold of Chavanamuni, Muni, who was an old, diseased invalid with loose skin, white hair, and veins visible all over his body, and all three of them entered the lake. Purport, Muni was so old that he could not enter the lake alone. Thus, the Ashwini Kumaras caught hold of his body, and the three of them entered the lake. Thereafter, three men with very beautiful bodily features submerged from the lake. They were nicely dressed and decorated with earrings and garlands of lotuses. All of them were of the same standard of beauty. The chaste and very beautiful Sukanya could not distinguish her husband from the two Ashwini Kumaras, for they were equally beautiful. Not understanding who her real husband was, she took shelter of the Ashwini Kumaras purport. Sukanya could have selected any one of them as her husband, for one could not distinguish among them. But because she was chaste, she took shelter of the Ashwini Kumaras so that they could inform her who her actual husband was. A chaste women will never accept any man other than her husband, even if they're be someone equally as handsome and qualified. So that's um, yep, a, a description of chastity. Any questions, comments? Up till now? Carry on? I just go off mute if you have anything. 17. The Ashwini Kumaras were very pleased to see Sukanya's chastity and faithfulness. Thus they showed her Chavana Muni, her husband, and after taking permission from him, they returned to the heavenly planets in their plane. Thereafter, King uh, Saryata, desiring to perform a sacrifice, went to the residence of Chaivanamuni. There he saw, by the side of his daughter, a very beautiful young man, as bright as the sun. After receiving uh, obeisances from his daughter, the king, instead of offering blessings to her, appeared very displeased and spoke as follows, oh, unchaste girl, what is this that you have desired to do? You have cheated the most respectable husband who is honored by everyone. He was also maybe a little afraid of Javana Muni. For I see that because he was old, diseased, and therefore unattractive, you have left his company to accept as your husband this young man who appears to be a beggar from the street. Oh Krishna. I don't know if I don't know if Muni appreciated that that sentence. Purport. This shows the values of Vedic culture. According to the circumstances. Sukanya had been given a husband who was too old to be compatible with her. Because Shaivana was diseased and very old, he was certainly unfit for the beautiful daughter of King Shariyati. Nonetheless, her father expected her to be faithful to her husband. When he suddenly saw that his daughter had accepted someone else, even though the man was young and handsome, he immediately chastised her as asati, unchaste, because he assumed that she had a accepted another man in the presence of her husband. There's another assumption that I have to keep that from my class on assumptions. According to Vedic culture, even if a woman is given an old husband, she must respectfully serve him. This is chastity. It is not that because she dislikes her husband, she may give him up and accept another. This is against Vedic culture. According to Vedic culture, a woman must accept her husband given to her by her parents and remain chaste and faithful to him. You can see how the cultures are different than the western ones right <laughs> therefore king uh saryati was surprised to see a young man by the side of Sukanya. so we have this saying in conflict resolution uh know i think we've spoken about this before to be curious not judgmental so maybe king saryati should have said what's going on here please explain to me why you're with this person this handsome young man where's your husband Right? instead of jumping to a conclusion. Text 21. Oh, well, my daughter, who were born in a respectable family, how have you degraded your consciousness in this way? How is it that you are shamelessly maintaining a paramour, which means a lover? Uh, you will thus degrade the dynasties of both your father and your husband to hellish life. Purport. It is quite clear that according to Vedic culture, a woman who accepts a paramour, a second husband, in the presence of the husband she has married, is certainly responsible for the degradation of her father's family and the family of her husband. The rules of Vedic culture in this regard are strictly observed in the respectable families of Brahmanas, Chatriyas, and Vaishyas even today, although I don't know if that today was the 1970s, so probably less today today. Only the Sudras are degraded in this manner. For a woman... Uh, of the brahman Vaisha class to accept another husband in the presence of her husband she has married, or to file for divorce or accept a boyfriend or paramour is unacceptable in Vedic culture. Therefore, King Sayati, who did not know the real factors facts of Chaivanamuni's transformation, was surprised to see the behavior of his daughter. And it's also, you know, Prabhupada when he writes he's laying down the um, the standards or the ideal you know there are times when Prabhupada said okay if you need to get divorced what can i do you know in certain situations so, so uh you'll see that sometimes from from the class from the vyasa san when he's speaking to uh and then but then when he's dealing with individuals um uh, he will sometimes adjust things according to time place and circumstance yes dean um yeah i was just going
4: to say i think you know uh, the overall theme is that these things like uh, marriage and whatnot, you know, they're not vehicles to uh, just um, what's the word like uh, pursue? Oh yeah, pursue these sort of like um, I guess shallow pursuits or, or material pursuits. It's yeah. just another form of kind of um, you know service, and that the the point of them is to. I mean, I think it gets into a little bit more relative to kids in um, other other sections but you know the, the point is to create the best environment to raise kids not to seek some Hollywoodish uh, version of love that you know I think most the vast majority of mature people would agree is just that you know a movie in the vast majority of, of cases and you know the only other thing I'll say is that we, like so many other things, we, we may go back and, and criticize stuff from the past. I, I saw this word uh, yeah, just yesterday I thought it was great. It's called, it's called presentism. It's apparently some author wrote about it, and it's like exalting yourself by looking at the past and, and criticizing it as though you would have somehow been different had you been in the past. Which is, of course, highly unlikely. Uh, yeah, the only only other thing is, like, you look in, in today's world. I mean, we have terrible problems with broken families, uh, divorce rates that are just at extreme highs. So, you know, I, I think maybe before we just wantonly criticize these some of these traditional things from the past, it's a little bit of self awareness. Uh, you know, probably probably be in
0: order. Thank you. Pre- yes, I'm looking at the term presentism originated in the 20th century in the discipline of history as a pejorative for the faulty understanding of the past in terms of the present. That's really that's that, I'm so glad there's a word for it because I you know I think we've spoken about it sometimes.
4: Yeah, it's it's a a bit of a topic I think on on the Twitter sphere these days. I'm not on Twitter, but uh, there is, I, I don't even, I can't remember his name, but there, there's a, an author who wrote a scholarly paper on this about, for instance, this, uh, what we've got going on in the U.S. here, of basically criticizing all of our history because there was slavery and things of that nature. He's like, well, you have to put this into perspective. Slavery existed pretty much since the dawn of time everywhere by everyone to everyone and themselves so uh, anyway i'm getting off topic but
0: no but it's 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 not really it's 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 on topic and you know it's a really good point it's a really good and i often you know talk about it in the sense that it's so hard to enter into another culture um so what to speak of another time and another culture (laughs) Yeah very good thank you that's great uh, i'm going to try to use that term presentism I like it. Uh, Nandarupa or jiva tatvras
5: hari krishna bodhanvas this is jiva tatvas yes so as we are on this particular topic where king uh, you know is addressing his daughter that she has you know a young paramour i'm also reminded of the contrast king mandhata was previously approached by sabari muni right? He was also very old, frail body person. He wanted to marry one of the princesses, King Mandata had 50 daughters. The wow. King Mandata looking at him almost you know laughed and said, okay, you can approach any of my daughters and see if they would like to marry. You. And so while walking to the palaces of the uh, princess where they were residing to the palace, uh, the sage realized his current physical appearance, so he turned himself with his yogic power into a very handsome young man. And so when he reached there and the princesses saw, they were fighting among themselves to marry this sage. And when they all, 50 of them married, King Mandhata uh, had a great realization. He was surprised to see the yogic power of the sage. And here, two things, once again, the king did not address the young man. He'd address his daughter because he wanted to directly clarify. And wow. there's another aspect in uh, conflict resolution that you are very much aware, I'm sure, is uh, triangulation.
0: Yeah.
5: Right. So he directly asked the question to his daughter. He addressed his daughter and made, made these statements. It's in a way, you know, trying to clarify. That this is what my observation is, and this could be a very bad effect to our uh-huh. dynasty, just to my dynasty, but also to your husband's dynasty. Yeah, and this is against the Vedic culture. Otherwise, what happens is we see people they are doing triangulation, talking to other people and criticizing, you know, someone without realizing the context, without realizing on the surface, and that did not happen. So that is a very good thing that was apparent in this case. Yet at the same time, I'm. Hoping that the king would also get some renunciation, realizing that the sage, you know, is so powerful, and maybe he should have realized that aspect as well—that his daughter is equally chaste and so forth. So again, as we continue to proceed on this story, but there was a big contrast as how the king Mandhata was, you know, seeing his fifty daughters married to Chevanu. and not just that, king sage uh, king sorry, uh, money. He actually built a palace for each of the princesses. So there were 50 palaces with the yogi power he was able to build. And uh, yet at the same time, you know, that caused renunciation to invoke in the heart of King Mahandrata. And here we are seeing that the king is having direct conversation with his daughter. Hmm. So just reminded of the two contrasting situations, but similar situations, you know, old groom and young daughters.
0: Yeah. It's usually not the other way around. <laughs>
5: yeah. well actually it is in the ninth canto that we'll see urvashi and yes yeah. thank you, thank you,
0: so we can carry on unless there's any other points uh text twenty two sukanya, however, being very proud of her chastity, smiled upon hearing the rebukes of her father you you can imagine before she spoke, the father might have been really fried when she smiled. <laughs> She smilingly told him, my dear father, this young man by my side is your actual son-in-law, the great sage Chaivana, who was born in the family of Brikku. Purport. Although the father chastised the daughter, assuming that she had accepted another husband, the daughter knew that she was completely honest and chaste, and therefore she was smiling. When she explained that her husband, Chaivana Muni, had been had now been transformed into a young man. She was very proud of her chastity, and then she smiled as she talked about her father. Have you ever had that experience? Uh, maybe your parents got on your case for doing something like you know, you got to do your homework, and you're smiling because you already did your homework, right? Or you know, or somebody gets on your you know I don't, you know similar ide- similar situations like that, and then you feel, okay, I can explain this one. Yeah. So again, the idea of not jumping to conclusions too quickly. Uh, okay, text 23. Thus, Sukanya explained how her husband had received the beautiful body of a young man. When the king heard this, he was very surprised. And in great pleasure, he embraced his beloved daughter. Thus, Sukanya explained, oh, I read that already, 24. Chavanamuni, by his own prowess, enabled king uh, Saryati, to perform the Soma Yagya. The Muni offered a full pot of Soma Ras to the Ashwini Kumaras, although they were unfit to drink it. So he kept his promise. Chaivana Muni kept his promise. And there's no statement, there's no uh, mention here of uh, apologizing to his daughter, but, but and maybe that relationship, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been appropriate, but rather he embraced her with great pleasure. King Indra, being perturbed and angry, wanted to kill Chaivanamuni for giving the, uh, the Somaras to the Ashwini Kumaras. And therefore, he impetuously took up his thunderbolt. But Chaivanamuni, by his powers, paralyzed Indra's arm that held the thunderbolt. Indra's always getting in trouble. Although the Ashwini Kumaras were only physicians and were therefore excluded from drinking Somaras and the sacrifices, the demigods agreed to allow them henceforth to drink it. King Sayati begot three sons named Uttanam, Barhi, Anartha, and Shena. From Anartha became a son named Revati. While Maharaj Prikshit, subduer of enemies, this Revata, I'm sorry, Revata, Revata constructed a kingdom known as Kushashtali in the depths of the ocean. There he lived and ruled such tracts of land as Anartha. He had 100 very nice sons, of whom the eldest was Kakunmi. Taking his own daughter, Revati, Kakunmi went to Lord Brahma in Brahmaloka, which is transcendental to the three modes of material nature, and inquired about a husband for her. Report it appears that Brahmaloka, the abode of Lord Brahma, is also transcendental above the three modes of material nature, Apavitram. When Kagudmi <laughs> that's a mouthful arrived there, Lord Brahma was engaged in hearing musical performances by the Gandharis and had not a moment to talk with him. Therefore, Kagudmi waited, and at the end of the musical performances he offered his obeisances to Lord Brahma and submitted his long-standing desire. After hearing his words, Lord Brahma, who was most powerful, laughed loudly and said to Kudmi, O oh, king, after Uh, O king, all those whom you may have decided within the core of your heart to accept as your son-in-laws have passed away in the course of time. 27 Chatur Yugas have already passed. Those upon whom you may have decided are now gone. And so are their sons, grandsons, and other descendants. You cannot even hear about their names. So here's that point about the names. During Lord Brahma's day, 14 manus, or 1,000 Mahayugas pass away. Brahma informed King Kamudi that 27 Mahayugas, yugas each consisting of the four periods Satya, Treta, Doipara, and Kali, had already passed. All the kings and the other great personalities born in those uh, yugas had now departed from memory into obscurity. This is the way of time as it moves through past, present, and future. O King, leave here and offer your daughter to Lord Balaram, Baladev, who is still present. He is most powerful. Indeed, he is the supreme personality of God, whose plenary portion is Lord Vishnu. Your daughter is fit to be given to him in charity. Lord Baladev is the supreme personality of God, and one who hears and chants about him is purified. Because he is always the well-wisher of all living entities, he has descended with all his paraphernalia to purify the entire world and lessen its burden. Having received the order from Lord Brahma, Kakudmi offered obeisances unto him and returned to his own residence. He then saw that his residence was vacant, having been abandoned by his brothers and others' relatives who were living in all directions because of fear of such higher living beings as the Yakshas. Thereafter, the king gave his most beautiful daughter in charity to the supremely powerful Dev, and then retired from worldly life and went to Ashram to please Nar Narayan. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purports of the ninth canto, third chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam entitled The Marriage of Sukanya and Chaivana Muni. So, you know, time is different. And so while he was waiting for the performance to be done in, in Lord Brahma's time, on Earth, so much time had passed. Any questions, comments? Yeah, okay, I Dean. I do.
4: So this is a really, really uh, fascinating section here uh, for me, and it's—I have a question. Okay. It, it leads somewhere. So, how did uh, do you have you ever heard of any discussion of how I guess King Kakudmi actually got up? to the realm of lord brahma
0: no that's a uh, i don't think it's mentioned here is it
4: okay the The reason that i asked this this so i guess you could say in sort of pop philosophy or whatever these days this is actually mentioned this section is actually mentioned a lot and it's mentioned as an example of um, there, there's this uh sort of growing um uh, Argument that our history we've got it all, it's it's it was actually a lot different than, than the way that we perceive it now, not in a straight line. That maybe in times in, in far, far past, we actually advanced, advanced oh, to interesting much higher levels, you know. And this is something that I've seen discussed a lot because, and the way it's discussed is usually, oh, there's this story in these ancient Hindu texts of this king Kakudmi who travels in space to uh. The realm of Brahma, as though there was space travel involved, and then you know discusses things with this you know uh, king and that uh, time had you know Brahma mentions that time had warped and whatnot. So they use this as these ancient people obviously knew about the theory of relativity. Uh uh-huh. They had this understanding that as he traveled through space, that uh, time warped for him. Um, which
0: it, it did in one sense, didn't it? It did, sort yeah. It, it did. So
4: at the very least, it's it's fascinating. Uh, but the only other thing I'll mention, probably more applicable to us, is uh, I think it's it's um, very interesting uh, juxtaposition that she eventually ends up with the supreme personality. It's in the sense that even Brahma is quite material in, in this i mean they, they go up there and he's basically he puts them on hold because he wants to finish um, observing <laughs> yeah. these this, this dance this entertainment going on uh, so I, I i took it as the message here you know, that again it's only the focus on supreme personality
0: that's the ultimate message for sure even
4: well, if you go just one notch down you know <laughs> it's it's temporary and that's that's the point is that you know um in this search for something that wasn't permanent they all the material things that they you know were attached to had effectively been vanished or or...
0: it's a really good point it's a really good point yes and um i don't know if he went there by mystic power or by you know um you know the kind of airplanes that uh Mm-hmm. Um, whatever, what it whatever it
4: was, it was, it was yeah. clearly not as much, not of the significance to the actual people who, yeah. who read and wrote this, and you know, than it is to today. But it's still very fascinating. For sure, it's
0: fascinating. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. so you could just imagine going back down to Earth, and uh, you know, there's that movie, The Green Mile. I don't know if you ever saw that um anyone ever seen that the green mile it's tom tom hanks and uh anyway um to make a long story short the person um got some powers that had him live a very long life like maybe 120 130 years and you know on one hand it's it was um desirable but Everyone that he knew and loved would died, right? And even his kids died, his grandkids died, right? You know, so you could imagine uh, when they returned to Earth, him and his daughter is like, of course, maybe it was all compensated for because they got in touch with Lord Balaram, right? But otherwise, you know, the, the the palace was empty, and and you know, time time had totally marched on, you know, totally marched on. Yeah. I once uh, gave a class in uh, Vrindavan, actually. And I i didn't, I actually never told anyone in the class, only people afterwards who approached me, that it was a fictitious character. But I gave a class, it was on, uh, um, I think it was on Prabhupada, you know, some special day commen- commemorating Srila Prabhupada. And I said that I I met this uh, hundred and twenty year old sadhu at the temple the other day, and he had been living in the Himalayas and just came to Vrindavan and living in the Himalayas for decades and decades, and he was he was like trying to figure out this temple, and so I was taking him around, and and he saw white people who were chanting Japa, and and said, and so I, I anyway, so I. I Tell the story about how I'm just telling him all about Prabhupada and how this temple came about. Uh, you know, it was all the time warp. Uh, it was all to glorify Prabhupada's accomplishments, right? Um, like that. So, yeah. But time is such a—it's a fascinating thing, and 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 the fact that Krishna knows past, present, and future, and we have free will. You know in other words, you could say, well, if he knows the future, then he knows what I'm going to do already. So where's the free will? Um, and then also that time is conspicuous by its absence. There's no past, present and future in the spiritual world. There's only present. so yeah, thank you for that though so yeah uh, that point's really powerful in the and then the point about um, about presentism very interesting. they're connected also in some ways. Anything else on these points?
1: Do we have time to discourse a little more on that uh, verse
0: 20?
1: 32? Well, that's what Dean was talking about. Sure.
0: We have time because we're, uh, we're done with this. Th- fir- chap- the same chapter, verse 32.
1: I was really struck by this, too, because uh, they had the old saying, truth is stranger than fiction. Uh-huh. Okay. So you could have a scientist or someone from that mindset saying- this And
0: just a- for the benefit of the people listening on, so the verses, 27 Chatur Yugas had already passed. Yeah. Those upon whom, right? This is what you're talking about? Yeah. Those upon whom you may have des- yeah. uh, decided are now gone. And so are their sons, grandsons, and other descendants. You cannot hear, you cannot even hear about their names. Okay, go ahead.
1: Well, see- Dean was talking about how did this guy get there? But in the verse before that, Brahm, Brahma is Lord Brahma is laughing, right? Because however he did it, he didn't understand what he had done. Because Brahma is saying, Hey, it's already been millions and millions of years, right? <laughs> yeah. That you're thinking about. So he clearly didn't know what he was doing, however, he got to Bro, but he time traveled. So that's why I'm saying truth is stranger than fiction because. You could have someone that's a scientific mindset reading this says, well, this is all fiction. Okay, let's say it is fiction. Still, you can judge fiction. Is it internally consistent, right? Uh-huh. Just take it at face value. Then if you do that and really honestly try to think about what's being said is, they're talking about time travel. They're talking about relativity. There's, there's no doubt, even if it's fiction. So that means that this, when this was written down, Right in Sanskrit, they were already thinking about these concepts. That's indisputable. Wow and it, and uh Rama is not even doesn't have a view as high as Krishna, right? He's not the supreme that no, right? supreme but he can even he has the power to clearly see uh the time frame that he understands the time frame of millions of years, right? Right. Plus, he understands the time frame of this person sitting before him. That's why he's laughing. He said, like, you have no idea how much time has passed by, right? <laughs> so they're here talking about time travel. I mean, whether you like it or not, you can say, well, they're not using scientific discipline. But they had thought about time travel and relativity. It's indisputable.
0: I just thought that was so amazing. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Anand Rupa or Jeeva Tathapal?
5: Hare Krishna, This is Jeeva Time is relative. And actually, we do have uh, experience of this. For example, when we try to come to class, that five minutes of wait if you're early looks like eternity. But when the class starts, it looks like in few minutes the class has finished. So it is relative. We also have experience, and parents t- taught us that when you are doing a time tra- tra- uh, train travel or long travel, taking on long journey, it's always good to, you know, get to know the fellow passengers who are traveling with you. Because when you are having good conversation, exchanging information, time flies, and the journey is very pleasurable. And if you're just looking from one station to the next station to the next station, it becomes really boring and long, lengthy and tedious. So we do have some perception of the relativity of the time. And Einstein also identified the relativity of the time as You know, when a young boy and young girl are talking, time passes very fast, but the same time expands when your hand has been asked to place on a hot uh, stove, (laughs) burning hot stove, or you're sitting on a burning hot stove. It feels like eternity, every second expands to eternity. Hare Krishna.
0: Thank you, Prabhu. Uh, Dean? Um, Yeah, I
4: was gonna say that, uh, you know, I've, I've been, fascinated about the historical context of these, these texts and these scriptures and uh, you know on the one hand you'd have the old world Indian perspective that uh, they're 100 accurate that uh, you know they go back thousands and thousands of years longer than, than what has been designated to them and, and then you have you know the, the western view which is that well no they're much more recent we don't have any evidence of you know, civilizations having existed past X amount of years in, in these areas. And, you know, regardless of, of which side of that you're on, I think what can't be denied is if, if you take any sort of serious approach to reading the, the, these scriptures, there's so many examples of ex, extreme insight. I mean, we were talking about uh, samskar last last week, which to me is, it's it's like a discussion of how the unconscious mind is, is formed and, and what affects it I mean man, how advanced is that so whether or not the, the history of the data supports it if you're of this Western perspective you're forced to make the argument that somehow almost immediately after effectively s- starting the beginnings of civilization these people somehow had this incredibly advanced uh you know understanding of psyche of of various things and and there are these sort of like fanciful myth like stories and mm. I think they they too easily read that and just oh this is just a bunch of like the RAM you know well right. oh, you, you need to read a little more carefully. I mean in the Gita itself there's incredible psychology again like philosophy and I I think it's very analogous to I'm not saying whether it's one way or not, but similarly, you know, the idea of how the pyramids came about in Egypt. Yeah, they're effectively arguing that we crawled out of the caves. And the first thing that we did practically was build the most mathematically precise structures that the world has ever seen uh, Mm -hmm. requiring it, it just. Again, I don't know if it's one way or not, but it just doesn't add up to me. Either.
0: Yeah. Very good. It looks like Henry is time traveling right now. He's in, <laughs> his, oh, he uh, he's in his airplane, uh, his private jet, um, <laughs> traversing the world. <laughs> it's not a private jet. <laughs> but he is wearing a mask. I'm very happy to see that. Oh, and... Is that uh, the Hartford Airport? Del- oh, you're, oh, you've arrived. All okay, right. Welcome back. Very good. And Nandi Muki has put uh, the, some of the calculations of the, um, of the planets, of Lord Brahma's planet in the chat as well. Yeah. It would be, I guess, like I said, Lord having the association of Lord Balaram makes up for everything. But it'll still be weird that every all of your relatives, everyone, they're 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 just an, possibly a name after, like you said, millions of years. Uh, Andy said they're they're just totally forgotten, and that's one of the lessons of these chapters as we've spoken about uh, last week. Anything else? Yeah, so the, I, I I'm really glad you brought this up, uh, Dean. That I you know I would have that these these last verses are referred by other people um yeah very very fascinating
4: yeah oh they've definitely been in like uh you know the history channel and, and all that type of stuff <laughs> on these shows um,
0: mysteries of the universe yeah, that type yeah. Of stuff. okay so um we can end and uh remember for the next three weeks there will not be a class because i'll be in Go echo over um, I think it's just I'm trying to like. Uh, even though this is the Bhagavatam, um, I'm trying to go completely off the grid um, for the next three weeks. Uh, if I if I change if if I'm really you know get inspired because this is not really on the grid. This is on the spiritual platform. Um, I hope most of you get the um, the emails that I send out. And so, if I do change, if I'm get like fired up and inspired, because we're entering into a very, very powerful part of the Bhagavatam, the uh, about Maharaj Ambarish. and this is also about travel, by the way. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I'm going to pretty much be. I am my my main plan is to just not use electronics much at all. Um, I'm not going to check my emails. I may have to do one or two WhatsApp calls, um, but really focus on other things while I'm like overdone. So please pray for me and uh, we will look forward to uh, seeing you before too long. Hare Krishna. Hare Henry.